Welcome to episode 93 of the Introvert Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Beth Below, and it's a pleasure to be spending this time with you today. Whether it's your first or your 93rd episode, I hope you hear something that will make you smile, spark an insight, improve your business, or maybe even change your life. I'm amazed that here we are, almost at the end of October, and before we even realize it, we'll be into another year. Before we head full on into the holiday season, it's a great time to reflect on the year and decide how you're going to set yourself up for success in 2016. Take into consideration your personal growth. What do you know about yourself now that you didn't know at the beginning of the year? If you consider yourself an introvert, how do you feel you've done with honoring your needs and your preferences? Have you given yourself the recharging time that you crave and require? In addition, think about things in general. What do you want to start doing, stop doing, and keep doing in the new year? And what can you do right now to start putting new habits into place? You do not have to wait until the new year to begin. And this goes for your business as well. It's easy to say, well, in the new year, that's when I'll start writing my book, or I'll raise my rates, or create a new offering. Think about how much further you'd be along if you started even little things right now. Take a few small steps towards your goal, lay the groundwork, and then go all out when you have the energy and excitement of the new year. Now, if you're listening to this and thinking, well, I don't have time for that, that it's easier to wait until the new year, then this episode is for you. You're going to hear about ways to increase your productivity and set yourself up for success. My guest is Kevin Cruz, a New York Times bestselling author and an Inc. 500 startup founder. His newest book, 15 Secrets Successful People Know About Time Management, is based on groundbreaking research into the habits of Olympic athletes, straight-A students, over 200 entrepreneurs, and seven billionaires, including Shark Tank's Mark Cuban. Be sure to listen to the end of this podcast for an additional productivity tip that I know introverts will appreciate. And check the show notes on my website, theintrovertentrepreneur.com, for all of the resources mentioned in this episode. Hi, Kevin. Welcome to the Introvert Entrepreneur Podcast. It's a pleasure to be speaking with you today. Hi, Beth. The pleasure is mine. I'm excited to be here. Well, what is making you smile today? (laughs) Something very simple. I'm... uh... Today, coming to you from outside of Philadelphia in Pennsylvania, and we have beautiful weather this week. It's mm. uh, fall weather, early 70s, and I'm loving it. Yeah, I love I love fall. I think it's my favorite season. I'm with you. Yeah, cool. Well, when we connected about doing this interview, you self-admitted, you described yourself as a massive introvert. So I'm curious how you define massive and because <laughs> that can be different for different people. And then how has that awareness influenced you as an entrepreneur? Yeah, it, it's funny. I um, It's not something I usually talk about, but given your show, I wanted to relate to you in that way. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I certainly have taken the assessments. You know, I'm an INTJ, mm-hmm. um, which is similar to your, your profile. I know, Beth, a little bit yeah. different, think, yep. but, but very similar. And even before... I was aware of officially, you know, sort of taking the tests or, and getting that introvert stamp on from DISC or MBTI. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could just feel it. I mean, while I'm ambitious and I'm achievement oriented, 
you know, I like my alone time to the point where, I mean, I, I think early on in my career and maybe when people knew less about introversion, you know, I think people were put off by me as, as if I was rude or maybe I didn't like them or maybe I was standoffish. And as you know, as introverts know, it really has nothing to do with that. It's really about getting energy from being alone and, and you know, being introspective and reading and thinking. And um, so I think I, start, I first got a hint at it when people would talk to me about being antisocial. And I sort of thought, <laughs> what? Yeah. I, I didn't know I was antisocial. Or mm-hmm. I remember one business partner saying that clearly I had a problem with him because I was avoiding him so much. And I, it completely shocked me. And so, you know, as time went on, I realized that, you know, my personality is uh, extremely introverted. And I think when it came to business and being an entrepreneur, you know, I like everybody should do, I just learned to play to my strengths. And yeah. so, you know, I've got a friend, he's a great salesperson and he's an extrovert and his sales style is to uh, lead with, with relationship and rapport building. And he gets energy by being on the phone all day long by, <laughs> you know, smiling and dialing. I mean, he loves it. Mm-hmm. He doesn't feel right if he's not doing it. And I could never, uh, I've done my share of cold calling and it was almost physically painful and yes. so draining. <laughs> and so as I finally figured out that, well, look, I'm not going to sell by being a relator. I mean, I just don't, I just don't like that. Um, I needed to market and sell in a way that was effective, but worked for me. And so that was, for me, it was a lot of content marketing. You know, I, I played the hand I was dealt and I you know, wrote a lot of articles and would do uh, webinars and presentations from afar and mm-hmm. sort of build contacts that way. And I never felt um, when I was in sales mode, I always would tell myself, you know, I'm not selling and I'm not trying to build a relationship to close the sale. I went into educator or teacher mode. Yes. You know, I, I just felt, hey, there's this problem out there that I think you might have. Here's ways that I've been able to solve that for people in the past. And if you think it's interesting, great. Tell me what you want to do. Otherwise, I'm going to go away now. And that really worked for me. I mean, I think in some ways, I think people found it refreshing. So that's kind of how I discovered it and then what I did with it. There are so many things about your story that I love. <laughs> and and I, I want to start backwards and, and maybe just this might be the only thing I pull out, but that it's not sales, it's education, at least in the minds of many introverts. And I, I remember the first time someone suggested that to me, and it was like a, a huge epiphany of Oh, of course. And it helped me to realize if I have a solution and someone else has a problem, it's my responsibility to share that information. Because if I don't, then I'm depriving both of us. You know, I'm depriving them from a solution. I'm depriving myself from sharing something that could be useful. So it's such a powerful reframe, I think, to say, I'm educating people about this. Yeah, and that's the key. If you truly, that's why it's so important to believe in, you know, what you're quote unquote selling. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you really believe that you've got the best solution, you know, product, service, or whatever, if you really think it's going to make a difference to an organization or to individuals' lives, I mean, how can you not share it? I mean, the the greatest thing you can do, the most ethical thing you can do would be to share it, to help people who who need it. So anyway, I, I, I look at it the exact same way. Yeah. 
And I appreciate the um, experience you had early on when you said people would see you as arrogant or aloof or antisocial. <laughs> and I think it's a good reminder for us as introverts that um, perception is reality. And people don't always understand, they don't necessarily see shades of gray or have multiple, in, you know, can see multiple interpretations for how someone is behaving. They just see them either standing off on the sidelines or responding through email instead of phone or things like that and right. think, okay, what's wrong with this person? They must not like me. They must be mad, you know, all of that. So I think there's mutual responsibility for the introvert to own who they are and maybe be transparent and, and recognize that they might be perceived that way. And then for other people to not make assumptions <laughs> about what's going on. That's right. Well, I want to unpack a few things from your book. And it's a new book called 15 Secrets. And I've had to practice this because of the S's. <laughs> I'm sure I'm not the only one. 15 <laughs> Secrets Successful People Know About Time Management. That's right. And there's a quiz on your site, Discover Your Personal Time Management Style. I took the quiz. I'm almost afraid to admit what I came out. Uh -oh. um, yeah, I know. So <laughs> maybe, I'll, <laughs> maybe I'll divulge after you've maybe given us a brief description <laughs> of each of the four types, because I'm hoping that in some way, as you share each type, there's something redeeming about each quadrant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that quiz, you know, the, the book on, on productivity and time management, you know, time has just been sort of, this is really a passion project for me as an entrepreneur and you know, most of my focus has been on leadership and other topics. But, you know, we're all struggling to achieve so much to and to have productivity, but in a way that hopefully we still feel, you know, balanced. Too many of us are running around, you know, these quote unquote crazy busy. Mm -hmm. And what I when I started doing uh, some research, there's plenty of time management books out there that are either, you know, the lessons we've heard for literally a hundred years or just people's opinions. And I wanted to try to dig into some research and, and to create some original research as well. And I was surprised there's not a lot of research in the area of time management productivity. But the time personality quiz that you're referring to is based on the work of a, of a researcher, Dr. Teresa McCann. Um, and she's probably the leading time researcher out there. And what she found with all of her work is that you know time management and stress really boils down to just two things the what we should be working on, you know, our focus, mm -hmm. and then the how. And so she found that, you know, when people can optimize or are feeling uh, that, that they're not being very productive, it's either they don't know what they should be working on or they're working on the wrong things, the what, or they know what they should be working on, but they just aren't very good at the how, how to organize my day, how to work without distractions, etc. Mm -hmm. So the quiz is based on those two dimensions. You know, the, the horizontal uh, axis is the priorities or the, the what we should be working on. And then um, the vertical axis is the planning or the how. And so based on how you've answered the questions, you're going to fall into, you know, one of these four quadrants. And I'll just say, you know, sort of the worst place to be, you know, I call it frantic and confused because you're unclear on your priorities and you're unclear on how to be effective in your work. I mean, it's, it's, you need to improve in both of these areas. There are people though that, for example, they're very clear on what they should be working on, but they never feel uh, like they're making progress. So, you know, that, that is distracted and frustrated. So they know the what, but it's the how that they struggle with. How can I be more effective? How do I organize my day? 
the opposite uh, of those people are the ones that are like, hey, I'm really, you know, I might be uh, uh, super organized, super detail oriented. I mean, I can execute anything, but I'm just not clear on what I should be doing. And I call that spinning your wheels. You know, you're, you're, you're moving, you're doing stuff, but you're not making progress. These are the people that feel busy and they're crossing things off their to-do list. But at the end of the year, their boss might say, hey, you know, three out of the five things on your goal sheet, your annual goals, your performance, you didn't get to this year. What's going on? You know, you're, you're working hard, you're working overtime, but three of the five things didn't get done. And then where we all want to strive is what I call calm and confident. That's when we've mastered both dimensions. We know what we should be working on, what the most important tasks are, and we know how to make progress on them effectively. What do you think separates the um, frantic and confused from the calm and collected? In term- it, it, do you think it's more mindset or is it tools? Or what would you say the ratio or yeah. formula is? Yeah, that's a big question. And, and it, it, um, the short answer is this was very interesting to me. So I, I, you know, I interviewed over uh, 200 people from billionaires like Mark Cuban to mm-hmm. entrepreneurs, co-founders of Silicon Valley companies, solopreneurs, Olympic athletes. And that was really my question is, okay, how can you achieve extreme productivity while still feeling balanced? What's your number one secret? And now not everybody did, so I boiled down, there's like 15 things, habits that these people are doing, these high achievers are doing. Now they're not all doing all 15, mm-hmm. but What does separate them in terms of mindset versus habits, it starts with the mindset. And so many people, including myself, I mean, don't really want to hear that answer because it's like, (laughs) oh, don't give me this fluffy mindset stuff, this new agey stuff. But it's true that when we're talking about habits or behaviors, it's hard to, to change behaviors or to adopt new behaviors. And mindset drives behaviors. If we believe that you know, smoking makes us look cool and keeps us skinny, well, then we're, we're more likely to smoke. If we think smoking cigarettes is going to kill us, we're mm-hmm. less likely to smoke. You know, our mindset and our beliefs drive our behaviors. So the one thing that all of these super high achievers had in common is they had this mindset of time is the most valuable asset. You know, you can, you can lose money and make it back again. You can even lose your health and get it back again, but you never get time back. And so many people will say, well, yeah, I know, Kevin, of course, time's the most valuable asset. But think about, you know, we wouldn't just leave our purse or our wallet out in a public area and go walk away from it for people to, to steal. But how often are we careless with our time? You know, every time someone knocks on our door and says, hey, do you got a minute? And there goes (laughs) 20 minutes of our time that we're never going to get back. You know, how many times do we pick up the phone call when we don't know who it is and whether it's um, you know, a salesperson or just a friend we hadn't spoken to in a while, all of a sudden we are letting them take our minutes that we hadn't planned on giving away that day. So mindset starts once you truly realize, and you know, I, I talk about the number that can change your life is you know 1440. There's 1,440 minutes in a day. Mm-hmm. We all have the same number of minutes, and once they're gone, they're gone. So when you get that true 1440 mindset, all of a sudden adopting the habits becomes a whole lot easier. And really, you yourself owning those 1440, as opposed to you know how much, like you said, how much are you giving it away to other people? Seems huge. Right. 
And I believe one of the tenets that you talk about in the book is the power of no. Huge power of no. <laughs> yeah. In, in, I call, too many of us have what I call, you know, the, the disease to please. Mm-hmm. You know, we're raised and, and we're supposed to help people and we don't want to disappoint people. You know, we want to be the, the good girl or the good boy and make people happy. You know, we're raised in a certain way. But when it comes to our time as adults, all of a sudden, we struggle with saying, no, we feel guilty or we think people aren't going to like us anymore or get mad at us. And the reality is being able to say no. And I've got like, I think I can't remember, 10 different scripts, I think, in the, you know, in the book. There's ways you can say no in a way that protects your calendar, protects your time. Um, but doesn't do it in a way that people are going to you know, think, think less of you. And once again, uh, we don't feel guilty if someone walked up and said, you know, hey, Beth, can, uh, can you give me $100? <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and you said, um, no, not today. <laughs> no one's going to think less of you for that. Right. And we need to think about saying no uh, in order to protect our time in the same way. And to connect that to the introvert aspect of things, because I always say that at least personally as an introvert entrepreneur, my energy is my most valuable asset. And if we're saying yes too much, if we have that disease to please, we're saying no to ourselves and to our energy. And that's where I think we get stuck in the cycle of, I never have enough time to take care of myself. I don't have enough alone time. And a lot of that has to do with the choices you're making about the 1440 and what you're saying yes and no to. Yeah, Beth, that is so smart. So, you know, I, I, I learned this little phrase. I can't remember which of the, the interview subjects uh, said it to me, but uh, she said, energy is everything. And, you know, that was one of the ahas. You know, I boiled all these secrets down into um, like a little uh, formula for to help me remember called E3C. The E stands for energy. It all starts with energy. And as introverts, we know, I mean, when we go too long, you know, outside of our comfort zone and are doing the, the relating and everything else, that takes our energy down. And you know, we've all had that experience where we might you know, read a textbook or any, any kind of newspaper, and we just read the same paragraph over and over again, <laughs> yes. and it's not sinking in. It's like, wait a minute, I, I don't remember anything I just read. And, and then other times when we're totally focused and in the zone. And again, you know, as you say, we all have the same number of minutes. I mean, time management is a bit of a misnomer. Mm-hmm. You can't expand or get more of time. It's really energy and focus that we can increase and, and direct. You know, there's ways, I mean, the, the, the super high performers, I mean, they're getting more done in an hour than most people get done in an entire afternoon. And it's entirely back to that energy piece again. Yeah. Well, one of the ways that I think some people try to manage their energy is, and this goes back to the question about attitude or tools, you know, mindset or tools, are are things like to-do lists, you know, these external kinds of ways that we have an illusion of controlling time (laughs) and controlling everything that's going on. And I have to admit for myself, I have a love-hate relationship with to-do lists. (laughs) That's just, you know, it's like a necessary evil. Um, But you, in your research and in talking to people, I was excited to see that you said that to-do lists don't work. Yeah. What's what's more effective? Yeah, that that was a surprise for me too. I mean, I really wasn't looking for this, but of all the suggestions, when I asked all these people, give me your number one secret to productivity, give me your number one secret to time management. I mean, nobody talked about a to-do list. Well, really quickly, the problem with to-do lists it's 100-year-old technology. It was invented by Ivy Lee, this guy, 100 years ago. And to-do lists worked back in the day when there really wasn't that much to do and a lot of time to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in different times now. So 
listen, if you have an average job or average expectations and uh, you're not feeling that you're not struggling with getting it all done, I mean, a to-do list can work in those average situations. But for people who are really juggling a lot or trying to achieve extreme productivity, what you need to do is you need to throw away the to-do list and work from your calendar instead. So the key difference is, I mean, it's subtle but powerful. On a to-do list, because we just jot all the things down, there's no time markers on them. So we tend to do the things on the list that are easy and fast, not the things that are most important. One research study was done that half, 50% of all items on a to-do list are never done at all. And most of the items that are done are done within an hour of putting it on the to-do list. (laughs) So we're really good at writing things down and then crossing them off almost immediately and feeling like we're really productive. Mm -hmm. And then we just let all that big stuff, the important stuff, the stuff that takes a long time or that's hard or uncomfortable, that just sits there forever. And so by putting your to-do list literally onto your calendar, what time will I start it? What time will I end it? And mapping all that in, you're more likely to be productive and get it done And it gives you that step where you're saying, okay, what do I truly value in life? And let me schedule time for it. I mean, it's a great opportunity to say, I'm going to live my life from my calendar. And if my family really is important to me, if that's, you know, one of my values is spending time with my family, well, then I'd better put, you know, the 6 to 7 p.m. dinner with family time in, or I better put my kids' soccer games there on Saturday and not go into the office or whatever that might be. Um, If we really care about giving back, um, if we want to tithe our time, well, let's see four hours a week go to, you know, the the food kitchen that you want to work in, the shelter you want to work in. So people who are super high achievers and feeling balanced, you can look at their monthly calendar and see their values, meaning they've time blocked all the areas of their life, faith, family, friends, finances, you know, whatever those things might be, it's time blocked on their calendar. And they just know, oh, my time is up for this thing, but I know it's going to come back again, you know, next week. They know at work that there's always more that can be done, always more to do. So you, they just know they have to decide, this is the number of hours I want to invest in my career, in my business, you know, at work. And that's the number of hours. It's not dictated by the never-ending to-do list. It makes the calendar such a powerful reflection of what's most important to you. And I remember several years ago hearing a commentator saying that like your checkbook, which I, who has a checkbook anymore, I suppose, but this was about <laughs> 10 years ago. Your right. checkbook is a reflection of your values and your priorities. And I remember thinking, oh, th- your calendar is too. And you can look at somebody's calendar and see what's most important. Absolutely. And it's it, it can be a little bit of a scary reflection because if you're really honest with yourself, you might find that you are not living into what's most important to you. And that requires change and being very intentional, which can in and of itself be a little daunting. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, what a wonderful reminder for that. And it's interesting because I I work off my calendar, but not quite in the same way. I, I use it to prioritize by having a visual, like a spatial and a visual way of looking at what's going on. And so I can tell, okay, that's happening next week, but that's not for two weeks. And maybe that two week task is really easy, but the one week task is hard. 
I need to work on the one week task, even though, but because if I had done it in a to-do list, it would have been like, oh, I can knock off that. <laughs> so for me, it, it has that other advantage of being like yeah. a visual spatial way of, of looking at things as well. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like for the visual learners and people mm-hmm. to, to see it in a picture like that rather than the list makes a big difference. Yeah, because it seems like there's so many, that's one reason I asked the question about tools, because I work with so many clients who are, of course, you know, trying to manage their time and their priorities. And they try to kind of force themselves into tools that may or may not work for them based on their style. But they think, well, everybody says to do to do lists. So that's what I'm going to do. And then they wonder why it doesn't work. And it's probably because they're visual spatial. So I what I appreciate is that you're reminding us you have to find a system that works for you and, and, you know, to, to challenge us maybe to look at some things in a different way and not necessarily take the conventional wisdom at face value. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Well, consider, I want you to turn the mirror on yourself and uh, think about your own schedule and your priorities and your responsibilities, everything that's going on in your life. Um, What's been the most revolutionary habit or piece of advice that's made the biggest difference in your own life? Yeah, I think that's that's a great question, Beth. I mean, I, I mean, I was an extreme case of just being out of control. I mean, uh, with my early companies, when I started them, you know, I was, I like to say young, young and dumb, you know, I thought I could just hustle my way to success. And, um, if you asked me what my values were, I would talk about my children and family and giving back and health and all those things that you're supposed to say. But if you looked at my calendar, I mean, I was working seven days a week around the clock. Mm. And when it wasn't enough, I'd sacrifice sleep. When it wasn't enough, I would skip meals. When it wasn't enough, you know, I would just literally, I can remember jogging down the halls of my office trying to get from one meeting to the next. And those businesses didn't do so well. (laughs) And it's no wonder because, I mean, you know, how creative could I have been thinking when I was so frazzled all the time? How strategic could, how good of a boss or a leader could I have been when I'm half asleep and not there? And more importantly, and, and, you know, this is true. I mean, it had a tremendous personal impact. Even when I was home, I wasn't home. You know, my mind was elsewhere. And I suffered from what I think a lot of people do, which was, the yo-yo uh, of emotions between guilt and stress. So if I'm if I'm working late in the office, I'm feeling tremendously guilty that I'm not home with the kids. And when I'm stacking blocks for an hour on the weekend <laughs> with the kids, mm-hmm. I'm stressing because back then it was a to-do list. You know, I, I just knew there was all these important things on the to-do list. And I think over time, you know, I it, it took a real shift. It took some business failure. It took some relationship failure for me to kind of get it and get, you know, woken up, hit my bottom and say, okay, it's it's about 1440 and it's about balance. You know, this is not a sprint. This is a life and it's a marathon. So mm-hmm. get it together. Yeah. The tactics, though, for myself, um, I was a very big one who would skip uh, skip meals until the afternoon. I always I was never very hungry in the morning. I would drink a couple cups of coffee, maybe three, from five a.m. to to noon. And I used to think, oh, you know, I don't, I'm not hungry. I don't need it, and it's a way to save calories. I used to think. <laughs> and the problem, of course, it gets back to that energy component. Yep. Where um, I didn't even realize it, uh, but you know, our, our the front part of our brain, that frontal cortex, they call it the CEO of our brain. That's what uh, it controls everything that's good. It's impulse control. It's um, 
it's you know not snapping at people you know it's it's uh clarity it's focus all the good stuff is that front part and it runs on glucose that's our fuel or the battery that kind of charges us and it depletes very quickly and so when people are skipping meals throughout the morning the way i was or or, or any time really you are just running that battery down and then running on empty. And the Mm -hmm. problem they say is it's almost like um, when you're drunk from alcohol and you know, you're, you're arguing with your buddies that I'm not drunk. I can drive home when clearly you aren't, (laughs) you don't know yourself how bad you are. And I think that was the position I was in. And I, again, it took me a long time, but suddenly I learned that, you know, I should be eating not for pleasure and not thinking about saving calories, but eating for fuel, for mm-hmm. energy. And so for a while now, I mean, I've been on a program where um, typically the first thing I will eat is in the morning is a, is a protein shake. Um, it's a protein shake that I'll throw a handful of spinach and blueberries into. And, you know, the, the Beth, what I think is funny, what I used to think I was saving myself time by not eating breakfast <laughs> or stopping for breakfast or mm-hmm. making a lunch or packing a lunch. I mean, but I still had time to stop, pull into the parking lot of a Dunkin' Donuts, walk in and grab a cup of coffee or the Starbucks or wherever. And I can make a protein smoothie and down it in less than two minutes yeah. and be out the door. You know, it's it really is not a, a time waster at all. Um, and I've really gotten into this habit of, you know, every three hours ish, you know, I'll I'll do another small intake of of food. You know, I do three main meals and two snacks. And so even if it's ten o'clock and I'm eating a banana or an apple, and then I have lunch, but then three in the afternoon I'm doing another banana or another apple or a handful of almonds. I mean, it sounds like such a simple thing, but um, it's tre- it's changed my energy levels and my focus levels. Tremendously. I don't have those peaks and crashes anymore. I don't have that post-lunch coma. And oddly enough, I mean, I'm, I'm thinner and in better physical shape <laughs> yeah. than I've been in 20 years by actually eating more of the right stuff. Not only do I feel better, but it's you know physically been, been better as well. As I'm listening to you, the phrase um, badge of honor comes to mind when it comes to people who say, yeah, I didn't, oh, I didn't have lunch today, or I never eat breakfast, or I worked right through dinner. It's almost like a bragging point um, sometimes. Right. And and I think that's a dangerous uh, message because what you're saying is absolutely right. I remember I was on a, I, I joined a group of people and we did this program called Game On. And part of the point was you were supposed to eat smaller meals and space them out and never go more than four hours without eating something. So somewhere between two and four hours you were supposed to eat. And that was exactly for the what you were saying. It just it keeps your metabolism up, right. um, keeps you from getting really hungry when it's time to eat and um, improves your focus. That's it's it's incredible the difference. I mean, you start to feel the difference right away. And mm-hmm. you said something so important, Beth, about you know, it's almost people start to brag or it's a badge of honor of, oh, I, I worked right through lunch. You know, I was so, so busy. And people will talk about sleep that way. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, you know, I worked all through the night. You know, I'm such a hero. And um, I think even how many people now you say, hey, how's it going? Oh, I'm crazy busy. Uh-huh. Everybody uses that phrase, <laughs> crazy busy. Now, the funny thing is, not only the people I interviewed for the book, but the people I know in my own life who you know are, are have done well, venture capitalists, angel investors, business owners, all these people, politicians, government officials, none of them say crazy busy. I mean, you no. say, hey, how's it going? They'll say, 
hey, I'm killing it, or things are great, or never better. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, crazy, <laughs> crazy busy is not a sign of success. Right. A sign of success is when you have leisure time. Mm-hmm. You know, the the super wealthy, the super successful people. I mean, Richard Branson owns 400 companies, and it seems like he's always laying around his island doing <laughs> nothing all day. You know, the successful people have free time. Yeah. Crazy busy is not a sign of working smart or being successful. It's meaning the system owns you and you haven't figured it out yet. So I just wanted to respond. I think that's so smart. When people skip meals, no sleep, crazy busy. They, they shouldn't be viewed as a badge of honor. No. And <laughs> when I first leased an office outside of my home, you know what the first piece of furniture I bought was? What's that? A couch for oh, napping. Yeah, for naps. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because all of a sudden it hit me one day, hey, if I'm not working from home, I'm not going to be able to take my nap. And so I, I got the couch and I use it almost every day. I will take a power nap sometime in the afternoon, which I might not need to do if I were eating as we have talked about here. Uh, but I still but, think, but even, but even I, I if think I was, I still would need that shutdown time. Yes. I, I'm a big, I like that. I mean, you know, I still think that the, the mid afternoon 20 minute power nap is a great is a great tool to recharge, and um, it's, it, depending on what time you're starting, your, you know your day. Sometimes it's even earlier or not. But look, a lot of people are starting work at six, seven o'clock in the morning, or at least their brains going. Mm-hmm. By the time noon comes around, you need a break. You know, you need one in the middle of the afternoon. This um, this idea of just nonstop going through it has to stop. These days, I work in what I you know call jam sessions. You know, anywhere from 30 minutes to maybe 50 minutes, I'll go, but then I'll stop, I'll get up, walk around, drink some water, etc. And mm-hmm. a nap to me is really instead of a 10 minute break, it's a 20 minute break. So it's really not that different. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it really will recharge you for the rest of the day and evening. Yeah, I love that jam sessions. I'm going to steal that. Great. <laughs> I love it. Um, well, thank you so much. It's been, you know, this has been such valuable information. And um, I, fe- I feel inspired. I'm going to have some jam sessions this afternoon, I think. Love uh, it. <laughs> and I hope my listeners will too. So I, I hope the book is really successful. Um, I loved how practical, thorough, it had so many different perspectives and so much valuable information. Um, I loved it. So thanks, Beth. I appreciate yeah. that. Well, I want to wrap up with two questions I ask all of my guests. And uh, this is the first one's about taking a three week vacation on introvert Island. (laughs) Ah, Doesn't that sound nice? Sounds (laughs) great. And for that three weeks, you can only take three books with you. What would you take with you and why? I I think right now, uh, if I had three weeks on introvert Island, um, I would bring, uh, there's a brand new book from Lewis house called the school of greatness. And I'm looking forward to to diving into that, I followed his work, and um, uh, it's you know inspirational and uh, self improvement. So I'm looking forward to that a lot. Um, I've been hearing great things about uh, Brene Brown's new book, yes. Rising Strong, and I haven't got a chance to read it yet. I've loved her her previous work, especially Daring Greatly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got to tell you, um, if this if this vacation is uh, after November third. I'm bringing The Introvert Entrepreneur by Beth Woo-hoo! Bielow. I've got to read that as soon as it's out. Excellent. Thank you. You're welcome. Woo-hoo. And you you probably know Brene Brown. She's a huge introvert. You know, she's another massive introvert. I just heard her speak a few weeks ago and as part of the tour for Rising Strong. 
And one of the things that she emphasized at the end of her talk was about saying no. She said, you know, to the room of, you know, probably a thousand people, um, she said, I'm guessing some of you have contacted my office and asked me to come speak or asked me to do something and you've probably gotten a no. And it's because, you know, there's only one of me and there's only, you know, one of me with my family and spending time with my family is really the most important thing to me. So I've been very, uh, you know, she says, I've been very intentional about what I say yes to. And no offense, but family first. That's right. And I admired her courage with saying that, with being so crystal clear on what was most important. And my guess is that enables her to get up on the stage and to do all the things she's doing that seem crazy busy, but she probably would not use that expression. Yeah, it's just something to admire. So I'm so glad you brought her into the conversation because it reminded me of that and it seems so appropriate to what we've been talking yeah, about. Absolutely. That, and I didn't, I mean, I would have guessed that she was an introvert, but I didn't realize that. And that does mm-hmm. make a lot of sense. And, and um, I get once again, back to that power of no. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So Kevin, what's the best way for people to connect with you and learn more about you and the new book and your other books? Because you are um, author of multiple books and everything else that you have to offer. Yeah, thanks, Beth. Um, I'm everywhere from you know LinkedIn to Twitter, etc. People can email me directly at Kevin, K-E-V-I-N, at KevinCruz.com. My last name is spelled K-R-U-S-E. And uh, we've set up a website. So, you know, listeners of The Introvert Entrepreneur can go to 15timesecrets.com to get a free paperback copy of the time management book and uh, along with some online training videos. That's 15timesecrets.com. Awesome. That's very generous. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Kevin. It's been a pleasure and I wish you all success. Thanks, Beth. Knowing that time is such a valuable asset, it's a gift that you've chosen to spend your precious time joining us in the conversation. Thank you. If you find value in these podcasts, I invite you to take a moment to stop by iTunes and leave a short review. A special thank you to The Change Element for your recent review. I love the idea that the podcast is a breath of fresh air. If you agree with The Change Element, then leave your own review, share the podcast with a friend, or become a subscriber if you're not one already. Upcoming episodes include interviews with Katrina Pollard, author of From Unknown to Expert, and Jennifer Conweiler, author of The Genius of Opposites. Please stay tuned for those episodes and more coming soon. A quick reminder that my new book, The Introvert Entrepreneur, Amplify Your Strengths and Create Success on Your Own Terms, will be out on November 3rd. You can pre-order now through Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other fine online and independent booksellers. There will be four editions available, a softcover, an audiobook, an ebook, and a deluxe ebook, which features three exclusive audio interviews that you won't find anywhere else. You can learn more and find links to order on theintrovertentrepreneur.com. And before we go, and as I promised, I want to share one time and productivity hack from Kevin's book, 15 Secrets Successful People Know About Time Management, that I think is particularly useful for introverts. If you want to be more productive, Kevin advises that you, quote, tell people around you to leave you alone. As the Wall Street Journal reported in their September 11, 2013 edition, the biggest distraction to work isn't email or instant messenger. It's face-to-face interruptions. If you work from home, make it clear to your family that work is work and they can't interrupt you. 
If you're in the office, consider hanging a do not disturb or back at a certain time sign on your door or running yellow caution tape across your cube entrance. And if you're the boss, consider setting aside a couple of hours each day throughout the office for quiet time. I know as an introvert, I love those tips, and it's something that I hear so often is that interruptions keep us from being able to focus and do our best work. So sometimes it's really important to just be direct and tell people what you need and say, you know, please do not disturb right now. I need to focus. A special thanks as we wrap up here to my podcast producer, Paul Messing, and to you for sharing this time with me. This is Beth Below of The Introvert Entrepreneur, and until we meet again, remember that success is an inside job.